So it's my privilege to welcome Steve and Heather here. Um, Steve, thank you again for coming. Steve, as you know, was here earlier in the year in June. Um, and just want to honour you guys before God and thank you for your friendship and encouragement to us in this last season in particular. So come on, let's really welcome them as Steve comes and serves us. Wonderful to see you all and lovely to be in Swindon. End of the video, I said I'll see you in the nations, but um, I'll see you in Swindon. So uh, really great to be with you and always a joy to be back here. It's like coming back to family. And um, Nigel was praying for Heather and I earlier and he prayed over the, the years that we have invested in this uh, particular fellowship. And it's so true because you really are in our hearts. So wonderful to be back. And uh, thank you for the great worship this morning, and I want to now bring you the Word of God. So if you have a Bible, I wonder if you turn to the uh, Gospel of Luke, the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. I was also so pleased to hear from the leaders last night as we gathered um, how well Janet Brand served you a few weeks ago. Janet has been a friend of Heather and, and mine for many years now, and she has served us magnificently. And we've reaped the benefit of her wonderful prophetic gift, right down to details about homes we would live in as we move nations, about our children, all sorts of things, and obviously over our movement. So it's been such a great joy. And I was... Um, thrilled when she contacted me and she said, I love Gateway Swindon. God is doing something there, so um, be encouraged. It's really great to hear. And as I chatted to the leaders last night, I was really stirred, as Carla has just said, that there is a real sense of God wanting to do something fresh among you, as I believe he is doing in the nations. And I'm going to share some of that with you as we go forward today. You would have seen even in this very simple uh, four-minute uh, video that we produced, um, I had a terrible task this year because as we produced it, I, I felt it would be so good to not only talk about what we are going to do, but to talk about what we have done. And so I set about the painstaking task of getting leaders around the world to actually report back what they have actually achieved this year. And as Colin said, I had two and a half full-scap pages of various things. Two closed nations reached this year. It's just wonderful to see. Absolutely wonderful. That's right. 23 new church communities. I don't know how many years ago this church community was planted. People stepped out in faith and started small. Well, another 23 started in our midst. And so it goes on. And so I do want to thank you so much for um, your partnership in the gospel. As a movement, we do not run a head office. We do not run massive administration or anything in order that whatever is given goes to the front lines of gospel extension. And so um, we work out of churches with churches. And so I can tell you whatever is given, we will really do our best to make Jesus famous across the nations. So thank you so much. So this morning, I want to speak to you out of Luke chapter 1. I spent the whole week in these 20 verses I'm going to read to you. And it's about faithfulness. It's about surprise. It's about uncertainty. It's about joy. And it's about breakthrough. And so I hope that I'll be able to lift your expectation for this season, that you really get hold of what God is doing. Uh, tomorrow morning, very early, um, I'm on a plane to, uh, to America to go and be with our churches in the northwest of America, my last uh, trip this year. And then we go on to Mexico, where we'll be breaking open a new area and getting ready for church planting there. And so I want to stir you this morning from the Word of God. And uh, so I want to read from verse 5. It's a story. If you know the Gospels, you'll be quite well familiar with it. Um, it's about Zechariah and his amazing wife, Elizabeth. Um, right at the start of the Gospels, the, as God begins to break in in a new way. And I'd really love it if you 
allow the word of God this morning really to arrest your heart. Don't just hear it as a story, but allow the word to speak to you. I was recently in America, and um, when it came to reading the word of God, the the guy speaking said, I wonder if everyone would just stand and put your hands out. I'm going to read the word of God over you. And I thought, oh, at first, this is a tad religious. But I tell you what, we stood before God, and as the word was read over us, you felt the weight of it. So I'm not going to make you stand, but I'm going to ask you to allow the weight of God just to rest on you this morning. Verse 5, Luke chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to wisdom of the just and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Not a great response. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words. You will be silent and unable to speak until the the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The people who were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple... And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus, The Lord has done for me in these days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. Wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture. And I want to pick up four things from that this morning. But let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this community. Lord, spread out across Swindon. 
I want to thank you, Lord, for the faith that is in the room. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you would draw us into your purposes this morning and that we would encounter you in a fresh way, that, Lord, faith would arise so that as we hear your word, our response would not be that of Zechariah, but, Lord, would be one because you say so, Lord. Here we are. Because you say so, because you call us to prayer, here we are. Because you say the sick will be healed, here we are. So we pray for that this morning. I ask you for strength and insight that I'd serve this community well through what you have shown me. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been 400 years since the word of the Lord had been heard by the people in Israel. 400 years. That's a long time to wait for anybody. And as the Old Testament prophet had promised, he wrote this, Malachi, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. So right through these 400 years of these promises of God speaking of what God would do. His counterpart, Isaiah, 740 odd years before Jesus, he wrote, The glory of the Lord will be revealed. He went on to say, In the wilderness... Prepare a highway for the Lord. That's Isaiah 40. And if you go to the very last words of the Old Testament, to the, the, uh, back to Malachi, he wrote, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Here is this amazing backdrop of promises behind the people of God. Fantastic promises spoken over the people of God. That's the backdrop. And in the foreground, here is this elderly, faithful priest and his wife who faced tremendous hardship and scorn and suffering and shame. But they're in the foreground of God's purposes. What hope that should give each one of us as we live out our lives. I'm, not, I'm sure most of you have enjoyed theater in London. I know Heather and I do. And so we try and go when we can. And it always amazes me because that's one part of life I really missed out on. But going to the theater and you see the play taking place and then suddenly the, the curtains or the backdrop is removed and this beautiful set just bursts forth. I remember I was in business before I... Um, Gave myself to church planting across the nations. And I was in New York and went to see Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. And um, we were sitting watching the show. And it was one of the greatest backdrops I've ever seen in any live performance. I can remember when that beast dies. And right there on the stage, he starts to rise. How they do it, I haven't a clue. But anyway, he starts to rise up off the ground. And you've got all this music and the orchestra playing and this whole thing's come to the tension, the moment. And this enormous great beast starts to turn in the air. I mean, it's just quite extraordinary. And he's about six foot off the ground and he's turning this beast that has died. And then all of a sudden, bang, this big firework thing takes place. And there's this big cloud of smoke where he was. And then as the smoke cleared, there is the prince lying at the same height in the air. It was extraordinary. Everybody cheered and clapped. There was such a response because behind the story, this great backdrop caught you up in what God was doing. And brothers and sisters, I want to say to you this morning that I truly believe that there is a great backdrop behind you as a community and behind us as a church movement around the world. Things are happening, things are stirring, and I truly believe that God is taking us into something. 
And so it's a joy for me every time I watch that, I, I realize where I was and how tired I was at the time. I said to Heather, oh no, here comes the old tired guy again. Sorry about that, but we are busy in the nations. But it's just incredible to know that sometimes we're carrying things in faith. We're believing God for breakthrough and just behind us in the purposes of God, just behind your life, God's ready to reveal great new purposes and breakthrough. Zechariah means, the name means the Lord has remembered. What a faithful God we serve. Those were great songs this morning, by the way. I so enjoyed the worship. Thank you. What great words to sing. The Lord has remembered. God remembers. His word is true. Elizabeth means righteousness before the Lord. And one this morning, Zechariah gets what every minor priest longs for in his service in the temple. It only happens once to every priest, and not every priest gets the opportunity to go into the temple and prepare for the sacrifice by burning incense. And on that morning, he's one of, say, 800 serving. They serve for two weeks at a time. He's in service, and they come out and they draw lots. And there it is, Zechariah. All you've been getting ready for, all you've been preparing for, all that you are, now's your moment. They've come from a difficult journey, he and Elizabeth, childless. They've carried the weight of that for many years, and any couple who's faced that will know the enormity and the terrible distress that. It carries the aching disappointment. But now, God says it's your time. It's the greatest honor. He goes in there. And I want to pick up four things this morning. And I hope I can really impart them to you well before that clock gets me again. Number one, I want to talk to you about Days of encounter. Because as, uh, as Zechariah goes in, he's going about his normal business. This is what he's trained for. This is who he is. He has no idea that he is just about to encounter God in the most unbelievable way that will shape history. A.W. Tozer, that great American prophet of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, said, Any man or woman who has revelation of God, in other words, encounters God, sees God, is never the same again. And you can go to any library and pick up all the biographies. Hudson Taylor, standing on Brighton Beach, he's totally dissatisfied with church life because church has become a place where people are worshiping, singing, and then they go home. And in his heart, God has put this longing for the lost. He's put a longing for those who don't know the good news. And he's looking at the church saying, the church is just going through Sunday services. And he leaves the church service, if you know the story, and he walks down to Brighton Beach and he cries out to God and then encounters God, never to be the same again. He led hundreds and hundreds of faithful men and women right into inland China. Anyone who encounters God is never the same. Carla, I'm so grateful for your introduction today. Because that's where I was going to end off. Because I believe in these days, more than ever, we need to be a people who position ourselves to encounter God. Individually and as communities. And here's an opportunity. Sorry, I didn't pick up the dates. You can, you'll have to do that again. But here's an opportunity. We're putting this time aside. It's like Zechariah's moment. I've got two weeks in the temple. But there are hundreds of us. 
oh, I'm sure I'll be the one left out again. I'm sure I'll be the one who misses out. And then this whole thing, I don't know how they do it exactly. I'm not read up on that. Zechariah, you've been chosen. What? Encountering God is a powerful thing. Just prior to Heather and I moving across from the Middle East to join you here in England for these years, we got a phone call from a, a pastor friend, and he said, I wonder if you and Heather could help with the Muslim family who have had a vision of Jesus. They've encountered God, and they've asked, is there someone they could meet? So we said, wow, yes, that would be wonderful. So we traveled right across the city about just over an hour and a half, arrived at this tower block up 40-odd floors. And we go, and I'm thinking, my goodness, what's the next hour or two going to be like? And the door gets opened, and here's this family standing there. I'm not sure who had bigger eyes, them or us. Because they've grown up in a certain understanding and a certain culture and a way and a um, whole lifestyle that is anything but from where we come from. Suddenly we're standing just with a threshold between us. And they called us in. And I tell you, from the moment we walked in there, you could see their faces. They've seen Jesus. They've seen Jesus. So we went in. we trying to work out, okay, how does this work? Can you uh, give them a hug? Because they're now brothers and sisters. Can you engage? How do you engage as a man to a, a woman from that culture? How do you do all this? And we sat down. And after a short time, the starchiness of the togetherness dissipated. And the gentleman, I'm not doing any names, said to me, come. So he grabs me and he says, come. He takes me out the lounge and he takes me into this beautiful, if you know, oh, let me not even go there, I'm not going to mention it. Um, go into this lovely marbled hallway and he says, stand there. Stand there. So I'm thinking, what's going to happen now, you know? And he says, no, but further, but further. So I'm standing there and I'm sort of thinking, what's this about? And he said, that's where Jesus stood. And I thought, wow. Thinking, this is cool. <laughs> I saw a little cross over here where I'm supposed to stand. But there it was. And he said, I came into the hallway. And here was this man. He didn't need to introduce himself. The Bible says one day the heavens will open. Every eye will see. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ. Doesn't need to introduce himself. It changed him. Changed him in a moment. He told me later, he said, I then had a problem because my whole family, my wife, my children, my sons, my daughter, were used to doing a certain lifestyle, and now I'm changed. I've seen something that has changed me. And he said, so I prayed my first prayer. How's this for a first prayer? Would you come back again? Jesus did before the whole family. I mean, Heather and I sat there with this family. It was, it was wonderful just seeing their faces. Zechariah goes in. He's about to light the incense. He's trained for it. He's prepared. He can't wait for that moment when in a few days' time, his two weeks of service comes to an end. He's going home to Elizabeth and saying, Elizabeth, I did it. My number came up. My name came up. Here I am. 
He's just about to do it. He's preparing. And then suddenly, to the right-hand side of the altar is this being supernatural, just like he was thousands of years before, when another man, just like Zechariah, got down on his face and said, God, you promised you would take your people out of Babylon. You said through the prophet Jeremiah, 70 years, I've looked, Lord, today's the day. This is the time. And he's praying, and suddenly, I've come. I'm Gabriel. Your prayers have been heard. He says to him, what a lovely statement. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. And then your prayers have been heard. What a wonderful encouragement to us as spirit-filled believers that the Bible tells us that we can with confidence approach the throne of grace. Our prayers are heard. This is not a church program to go to for seven days and go hungry. This is a chance to get before God, knowing that your prayers will be heard. Amen. Come on, you've got to help me. Four hundred years of silence broken in a moment. Your prayers have been answered. A dear friend of mine, Jeff Kidwell, said to me last week, he said, you know, Steve, God takes a long time to do something suddenly. Great statement, isn't it? God takes a long time to do something suddenly. I told the story once here before, so I haven't got time to do it, but Heather's father... He called himself a happy pagan. Oh, no, this is for you. I'm a happy pagan. Oh, Lord. Prayer and fasting, Carla. Just like you're about to do a week of prayer and fasting. And we took his name and we nailed it onto the wall of our church building. Bang. Two weeks later, he phoned us. I've just had a visit from a friend of yours. She said the gospel and I believe God takes a long time to do something suddenly. And so we pray with faith. My first point is, I believe that we're going to a season, we're in a season of personal revelation through encountering God. If the church is going to fulfill a mandate, we've got to be people who've seen the Lord. Because then the cost of doing what we're doing the hardship, the giving. I wish I didn't have to do those videos. But I tell you what, I don't mind asking people for money when I know the ends of the earth are going to hear about Jesus. Really don't. It's costly. But when you've encountered God, you think, oh, this is for me to live as Christ. You've just had a super time as a community with Janet, you're carrying now great promises individually, some of you. I hope even the youth received such wonderful insight and inspiration. So grateful for the gifts that God gives us. I want to say to you, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. Last night as we sat as leading couples here, Heather and I having a lovely meal and laughing and fun, we, I asked the question, so what's come through? And there's this fantastic little insight about God giving a new mandate. And as soon as Colin shared it, my heart stirred. And I thought, yes. In fact, I changed my title to the message, which I forgot to give you, called Zechari Zechariah's New Mandate. Because in a moment, he meets this supernatural being, and everything changes. It's so easy for us to lose focus and to see, are we in, are we out? Is it this leader, that leader, bah, 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 all these things. As believers, it's time for us to seek the Lord. 
it's time for us to encounter it. But secondly, and I'm going to run out of time. I've got 10 minutes, Colin. Being faithful with what we have. So firstly, it's time to encounter God. Secondly, being faithful with what we have. One of the things I love about this story is the faithfulness of this dear couple. I don't know if you heard that beautiful verse. It's verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Wow. I mean, wouldn't you like people to say that about you? Oh, do you know? Oh, yeah. They are blameless. Sold out for God. Oh, let my children say that about us. How our kids, those of you grandparents, we need our grandparents, our, our grandchildren to say, my grandpa and granny, they are sold out for God. Because when they go to school and society, they're hearing something totally different. You can be anything you want. You can do this. You can do that. We've got to be sold out for God. Zechariah and Elizabeth were known for that. What a wonderful character trait. But we read it's not an easy time of waiting. It seems that in many respects, life has passed them by. They missed out. And how we can all feel like that at times. I know for Heather and I, as we've moved nation, we've left children behind, we've left such good friends behind, wonderful churches we're along, and sometimes it catches up with you and you feel, ah, we're missing out. You know what? God rewards faithfulness. He rewards faithfulness. Luke 12, 37. Jesus telling the parable of the servants. He said the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them. Put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. Isn't that remarkable? Jesus himself rewards faithfulness by coming and saying, I'm on duty to serve you. Let me take you to your place. Apron on, I will serve you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Matthew 25, 21. God loves faithfulness. And this is a time for us to be faithful. And you see it as Gabriel comes to Zechariah. He says, your prayers have been heard. What prayers? What prayers? It's a question I asked while I was reading the story. I thought, what prayers was he praying? Did he go in there and say, Lord, you know, we are childless. We don't have a family. I don't think those were the prayers he prayed because part of his task was to pray for the redemption of Israel as he lit the incense. And also by his response, how will this happen? He couldn't have really been praying. God's response says, you're praying for the nation. Yes, and I'm giving you a son. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, the gracious the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever I watch these videos we've seen, I remember where we started, planted our first church among a rural people. And one of the first things God said to us is, believe me for the nations. And so in our simplicity in a barn, sitting on hay bales, some of you actually came in the early days, I think. We put a banner up. Ask me for the nations. And we had faith. We started to pray for Lesotho because we could see it. The mountains were just in the distance. We've asked God for Lesotho. We asked God for our nation of South Africa, where we come from. But behind us, hidden at the time, was this backdrop. The stage was set where at a certain time the curtains drew back. And suddenly the continents were prepared for us. We now have some 250-odd churches on six continents. 
We believe God for Lesotho. Zechariah saying, Lord, I'm lighting the incense. I'm praying my prayers. You must send redemption for Israel. Gabriel's there and he says, yes, and you get a son. And not only do you get a son, but you get the blessing. God rewards faithfulness. Thirdly, I'll move on quickly. God is a God who speaks to us in the waiting. As we wait, he speaks. He's not aloof. You've just got to read the Psalms, Psalm 113, Psalm 114 and 15. Beautiful the Psalms, are sons of Korah. Wonderful Psalms where it speaks about how attentive God is. Not only does Gabriel speak about Israel, but he speaks about a son. And then he goes on to describe the great joy and gladness that will follow. God is attentive. And as we seek him to encounter him, as we remain faithful, we will hear him. He will speak to us. I've heard your prayers. You're getting a son. He will be a world changer. A world changer. I'm really sorry to talk about rugby. <laughs> I promised I promised myself I wouldn't, but there's a lady sitting in the third row here with a green and gold shirt who's going to be put out of membership this coming week. But you know the story of this young man, Sia Khaleesi, it's incredible. Where you see how God takes what's not through the patience of waiting and believing. I don't know if you heard his interview and his, they said, did you dream of lifting the World Cup? And he said something like, no, I was trying to trust for food for tomorrow. And then they introduced his father. I don't know if you saw that, this man from abject poverty. And here's his son holding the World Cup. Who would have believed? This is the God we serve. Number four, I'm going to end with this. Sorry, running out of time. God cares about our response. Number four, God cares about our response. We heard in these words that came during the meeting, thank you, Ant, that there's so much on offer for us. God cares how we respond. Behind us, behind you as a church, is this backdrop of promise. It's hidden. The moment you think, oh, you know, there's a few hardships. We've got this, we've got that. You think, no, remain faithful. Encounter God, wait patiently. And God, you need to go collect your children. God is preparing us, getting us ready. He cares about response. How Zechariah must have thought all his years, I wish I hadn't said that. How will this happen? I think it's the um, New Living Translation says, how can I be sure this is going to happen? It says to Gabriel. I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. You know, he's looking in the natural and saying, come on now, Gabriel. I love Gabriel's response. I am Gabriel. He's a priest. He knows the stories of Daniel. He's read them. He's studied them. He knows that moment that Daniel had. And here's the same man. He thinks, oh, my God. Goodness, I wish I hadn't said that. I stand in the presence of God. And we, we read what happened. There's a great um, commentator called um, R. Kent Hughes. He's a retired Baptist minister in America. Love his writings. He says this, picture old Zechariah. He is serving in the heart of the temple the sacred ambience overwhelms him. The light from the flickering candlestick reveals the richly embroidered hues of the cherubim on the veil before the holy of holies. The golden altar of incense glistens in the light. 
The aroma of worship swirls around him. It is the grandest day of his life. Zechariah prays for the redemption of the people of Israel. And there is a supernatural being beside him. Cardiac terror. Then the being speaks, promising a son whose name evokes the favor of the Lord. He prophesies regarding the son's character, spiritual formation, and his ministry, invoking the final lines of the Old Testament as his son's script. What a moment. What a moment. Zechariah's response, disbelief. Disbelief. If anything today, my brothers and sisters, a gateway swindon, if I could go from here today longing for one thing, it would be that you would not find yourself in disbelief. Can I have a big amen? amen. But in these days of waiting, believing, waiting for the, the backdrop to open of the promises of God, God's promised us revival in the United Kingdom. Three and a half years ago, I preached in London. Ah, I've got to finish. And while I was preaching in the building, I suddenly saw a vision of a balcony of people leaning over because we couldn't fit them in the building. And God said to me, I'm sending revival to the United Kingdom. And our hearts can say, oh, but do you not see how hard things are? We're in this post-Christian society. We've got this. God... It takes a long time to do something suddenly. And then we start to hear. Do you know that three weeks ago, 1,400 people were saved on the streets of London? Over 10 days, churches joined together to go on the streets and pray for people. 1,400 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And I think, wow, it's a bit like the first drops of rain. Send your rain, Lord. My most important point, I put it in yellow color so I wouldn't forget. And then I wrote next to it, Zechariah is in a place of prayer when the Lord appears to him. Gateway Church, give yourself to prayer. Give yourself to pray as we gather to him we're going to encounter him our faithfulness will be rewarded let's watch our heart response so even now would you just close your eyes put your hands out in front of you if you don't mind don't worry about the children church is supposed to be family I want to speak to the, the men of the congregation. Please forgive me. But as I was praying this week, I felt God just really speak into my heart that you, fellow brothers in the Lord, your response to the purposes of God at this time is key to this church. Your response in being dad at home, father, husband. Even like Zechariah saying, I'm giving my service to the temple. I'm going, I'm giving myself in these days. I believe is paramount to these months and years ahead for Gateway Church. And even as you sit with your hands open, can I call on you to faithfulness? I was hoping to get a big manly grunt of approval. So let me try again. Men, 
Can I call on you in these days to faithfulness? Maybe if that's your heart, even where you are right now, why don't you stand? All the men, just come fill the front here. If you, please, if you don't want to come, I'm not going to be counting or anything, but I really just want a response. Just out of your chair, come and stand together. And this is not to say, you dear women are not important. I just want to follow the Spirit on this one, if that's okay. If you give me freedom. You'll have to come right forward, all of you, and press right in. And ladies, wives, mothers, won't you reach out a hand as your husband or son or brother or friend walks to the front and start to just pray over them right now, right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father God, as we close off this morning, I want to pray for these dear men. I want to pray if there's anybody here who feels you've been left out. I want to call you back to faithfulness. Just like Zechariah. He's going for his two weeks to serve in the temple thinking, ah, it'll never happen to me. Little does he know the story is about him and includes him. Father, I pray over anyone like that right now. I pray you would dismantle unbelief. And you would give my brothers a heart of perseverance and faithfulness. That as we begin to pray. That Lord, their voices would be heard in these days. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Move mountains. We've been singing about it, Lord. We sang earlier that, Lord, you would give us your heart. I pray right now, men, put a hand on your heart and say, Lord, give me your heart for these days. Father God. Father God. Father God. I'm going to ask everyone else just to stand for a moment and... Just as I close, forgive me, I'm going to take just two more minutes, but hey, we're going to go change the world. So what's two minutes? Sorry, I'm almost done. Could I have the, the leadership couples up on the platform? Um, Colin, you'll have to help me who they are and, and who you want up here. Just that. Can you just stand in the middle if that's all right? Sarah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Why don't you just close your eyes and listen just for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Last night, Heather and I sat around a table with these three couples and listened to all that's been going on all that is being taught, all that they're longing for, all that the Lord is saying. And one of the things that came through was, we believe God's got a new mandate for Gateway Swindon. And I want to say to each one of you in this congregation, what I believe I saw was integrity, ownership, a deep longing for the purposes of God, a sincerity of heart to get this right and do it well. But I also saw the burden of leadership. And just as we close, I want us to reach out a hand now. Maybe if I could have some of you men up front here, if you want to come around and just stand behind these couples and just put a hand on them. I want us to pray for them. That they will not lose heart. They will not lose heart. And also, they would hear clearly when God speaks. And I'm going to pray against unbelief. I'm going to pray against that. That when, 
Gabriel shows up, the answer would be, because you say so, Lord. Not, how can this be? Father God, Father God, just reach out a hand now if you don't mind. Let's stand together as one. Father, we stand before you as a community in the west and the east of Swindon. The center and the east, maybe. And Lord, we hear your word this morning. We know that you're about great things. And we want to say, Lord, we want more. We want to be faithful. We want to see your kingdom come. And so now we pray. We pray for these couples and others who will lead us into all you have for us. This new mandate, Lord. I pray you would clarify it. I pray, Lord, you'd give us the detail and the understanding that together, Lord, Gateway Swindon would be rewarded for her faithfulness. Where there's been barrenness, Lord, I pray, give us sons and daughters. If you are here as a young couple, if you are in that place, I wonder, sorry, the men up here and women at the back, but if you could just put a hand on your heart and say, Lord, I receive that for us now. Heather and I struggled for quite some time. So I know the pain. So just put a hand. Lord, we pray right now for sons and daughters in the spiritual and in the natural. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father God, I pray in the months ahead that as we spoke about the theater and how the backdrop opens up and we suddenly get to gaze on all that there is. I pray, let it be at Gateway Swindon. I commit these men and women to you, the leaders right across this community. Pray for these men, Lord. Catch their hearts, Lord. Turn them into a praying company of believers. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's been lovely being with you. Thank you, Colin. <laughs>